I've got like goosebumps just like all over me right now mm-hmm. talking about this. I mean, it was just the most stunning, powerful thing that I have ever experienced mm. in my life. I'm Dave Buda, and this is Darken the Page, the weekly podcast about writers and their creative process. Today, I'm talking with author Paula Marie Coomer. She's written seven books, and I want to say I got a lot out of this interview, and I was amazed at how vulnerable Paula gets. And really quickly, we talk about how writing helped her deal with being abused as a child and what that was like growing up. She also talks about writing retreats, which are something I'm loving more and more for myself these days. Uh, Funny enough, I just got back from a solo writing retreat I did in Big Bear this weekend, and it was inspired by the conversation I had with Paula, which happened about a week ago. This episode is made possible by 99designs. For those of you guys who have been following this show, this is the first time of introducing a sponsor. And I'm really excited about it because I actually, I used 99designs for the podcast logo and I'm really happy with the way it turned out and I was actually really surprised at how 99designs the whole process because I thought it was just about finding a graphic designer but actually the whole process of running a design contest was incredible for me hashing out the ideas I had in my head about what I wanted to design because I got to give feedback I had it ended up being like 25 different designers weigh in on what they thought a cool idea would be and so what I did for you guys, if you want to check it out, is I ma- I put all the designs that didn't get chosen um, together. So you can see them. You can do that at darkenthepage.com slash 99designs. That's just 99designs. Um, and you can see all the ones that didn't get chosen. And if you decide to use 99designs, there's a link there. And if you use them for anything, um, this show will benefit and they'll send me a check. And so I'd appreciate that and it makes the show possible. So without further ado, here's my conversation with author Paula Marie Coomer. So yeah, so so tell me a little about um, how you got started as a writer, and was it was there was there a moment? Was it were you were you a childhood writer? Yeah, all of those things. I I uh, my my very first memory of of awareness and and myself as kind of being separate from everybody else, <laughs> mm-hmm. understanding that I was the observer, um, was a, what, I mean, literally, I, I don't even think that I was two years old. I, it, it was like, you know, I can, I still remember the moment where there's like um, adult family members and I'm like pulled, I pulled myself up to stand at the coffee table. Mm. And I can still remember that feeling of, of of watching them and looking at them and absorbing rather than, you know, th- than being a part of it. And yeah. that yeah. feeling has never, ever left me in my life. Wow. Uh, the first time I tried to write a book, um, I was about four years old. 
And I just basically, um, you know, made the pages and uh, drew some pictures and went to the newspaper and copied some lines that I didn't know what they meant. Mm -hmm. but, um, and then, you know, kind of stole uh, one of mom's. I got in trouble for stealing a, a needle because <laughs> mm -hmm. four-year-olds four aren't supposed to have needles yeah. and, uh, and stitched the book together. Wow. That was at four. Yeah. And then um, I, I had ta basically taught myself to read um, and do some writing before I started first grade and, uh, and then was always, um, just always at the top of class. I, w I went to a, a very rural school in the beginning. It was literally a three room schoolhouse with all six grades. Hmm. Um, this is in Southern Indiana. And, uh, I was, uh, you know, I was just the, the top reader and writer throughout the whole thing. And to the point where I was literally paraded around, <laughs> For the higher grades to to read and spell for them. Wow, yeah. So yeah, you were, so this is, yeah from a young age, this was it. You you, you had something. Yeah, I had something, and uh, so just always wrote stuff, kept diaries, um, you know, always little pictures to go with them, and then I guess it was probably um, maybe second grade where it was reflected on my report card that I was, you know, writing stories instead of doing the work everybody else was doing, except that I'd already gotten the work done, you know, kind of classic mm -hmm. kind of thing. And then, uh, by the time I got to high school and could take my first creative writing class is when I, I think it really set it. But like most writers, you know, always a big reader and a, a big dreamer and a uh, head full of fantasies and uh, that kind of thing. And mm -hmm. um, but the, the you know, uh, God, you know, we darn it, those babies and things like that come, <laughs> come along. You know, we get sucked into other things in adulthood. Mm -hmm. And um, it really wasn't until I was in my 30s. And uh, I was a commissioned officer with the U.S. Public Health Service. I was stationed on an Indian reservation in Idaho. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had gotten to the, at that point, I'd had some things published, but I literally was, you know, I was director of a huge program and was literally closing my office door to write stories and poems. And so that was, you know, it's like I, my conscious wouldn't conscience wouldn't let me do that for very long i i realized it was trying it's time to make a move mm -hmm. um it could change and uh, i'd been putting it off long enough so it was yeah in my in my mid-30s that i really devoted myself completely to mm. writing and um resigned my commission and got accepted into the first mfa class at the university of idaho and mm -hmm. uh ended up being their, the first their first graduate and it kind of went from there, but um, nice. so yeah, yeah. I think my first published piece was in 1990. So I was, I was at that point, what 26 or something. Uh huh. Um, um, yeah. Or I guess even younger than that, but 24 maybe. So but, yeah, yeah I'm, just I'm really, always been. Yeah, I'm really curious about the childhood thing. So the question that came up for me is, what do you think that writing did for you as a child? Well. <laughs> <laughs> I have a pretty difficult, I had, you know, I came from a pretty difficult upbringing, um, all the, all the forms of abuse. Uh, my mother loved wielding a belt. Mm -hmm. um, boy, this is <laughs> someplace I didn't expect to go. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think it just, it, it, it was a place where I got to be without 
that mm-hmm. without the stuff. Um, my, you know, my mother was actually a, a, a mentally ill person, probably it turns out. I mean, we didn't understand that till much later. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, in my in my imagination, of course, you know that that was safe. I'm, I'm sure this is probably pretty common too. I mean, it, it was it, it it was a place to be where nobody could touch me. And I, and I just liked it. I just liked imagining things. I, mm-hmm. I just didn't take anything for, for you know, me to be off somewhere else in my mind. Um, even outside playing and things like that, you know, imagining p- plants and rocks and snail shells and, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, turning mm-hmm. salts to actual creatures um, with with personalities and names and... Um, so I guess it, it was a way of surviving, I, and I, I think that's not all uncommon in abused kids who who end up being writers or artists or musicians or whatever. Mm-hmm. It, it's a way of funneling um, your your not yourself, your abilities um, in a place that they can't be touched by mm. those people abusing you. So I, I really get that. Of- yeah, this idea of that that that's a it's that's a it's an untouchable space. You know your mm-hmm. imagination, and then what you put down on the page too. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and of course, unfortunately, some of us get stuck there, and you know that's um, where mental illness gets steps in. But I think I, I think that um, being able to trans to put those emotions someplace also um, that's good training. That's a way of not going crazy. That's a way of not being as crazy as the people around you. Mm-hmm. Interesting to go back there and think about all that. Um, just in, in the last couple of weeks, I, I've been kind of cataloging the books I would still like to write. You know, I'm 58 years old, and um, not that I'm planning on leaving the planet anytime soon, but I, I did. We, you know, we were up in the mountains camping last week, and uh, I, I was. We were hiking, and and my husband took off, uh, uh, sprinted ahead without me to look at something, and um, I had about. 20 minutes to myself and I found myself sitting there thinking of all the books I wanted to write mm. um, before before I do pass out of this earth in 40 or 50 years whenever it is and mm-hmm. one of the things I thought about was writing my memoir you know and writing about that childhood and um, I, I don't feel like I can do it till my parents are gone but I mean it, I was thinking about that those very early years what we're talking about right now and how I amazingly Manage to remain intact mm-hmm. internally and in my mind and in my soul, in in spite of of who they were and and what was being done to me and mm-hmm. and it really was I, I think just being able to escape into that imagine into imagination and having a place to use my intelligence mm-hmm. uh, without without being um, beaten for it. Since, since we really got deep so quickly, I ha- also want to ask about something that I read um, that you wrote. Um, you know, you said recently one of the reasons you write is to get it out of you, right? And so then there was this story about this the ghosts in the novel you're working on, which I just thought was amazing. Um, and you said you started that. That, that started in like 2010. Um, mm-hmm. Tell me a little about that. That is just so, I love that. 
My goodness. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is one of those things where, <laughs> you know, you stop and say, okay, am I crazy? <laughs> or is this really going on? But, um, in yeah, in 2010, um, we stayed, we, we, my husband and I have only been married five years, you know, that's, that's like the other thing that is really great is that magic can still happen <laughs> mm-hmm. in terms of love at middle age. But we, oh, we sure. were on our honeymoon, the tail end of our honeymoon, and we'd been, you know, all over the Northwest. And um, our the last leg of the trip was um, um, at, at Big Hole, Montana, which there's a, a, a National Park Service site there. Um, and my husband has recently retired, but he for uh, many decades was um, worked for the National Park Service. And so we, we had to be there. And because uh, he was there um, also on business, uh, we were able to actually sleep in some of the, the um, facilities at Big Hole. And I don't know if you know about Big Hole, Montana, but it's the site of the U.S. Army massacre of um, ne- the Nez Perce Indians when they were trying mm. to do their famous flight. Okay. Fleet fleeing for freedom. They were, you know, they were trying to um, isolate them on the reservation, and they were resisting. And there, there was the famous battle that went on, or flight that went on for like three months of them fl- running from the U.S. Army, and and the U.S. Army staged this attack before dawn. Basically, everybody's in their teepees sleeping, and uh, and the U.S. Army attacked them and killed. Um, um, dozens and dozens and dozens of, of basically women and children because most of the warriors weren't there. Wow. <laughs> so basically old men and children. It was a bloody, awful thing. Mm-hmm. And so we so we stayed there at the place, and um, I went hiking uh, by myself through the battlefield. And uh, I when I left there, I wasn't by myself. <laughs> Let's mm-hmm. just say that. There was a, a woman who had attached herself to me. And I could feel her as, as she was as real as, you know, as, as if she were standing right next to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I should tell you that, you know, I'm, I'm almost half native myself. Um, my, my mother's Cherokee. And um, um, so it, it, you know, kind of makes sense that I would be sensitive to something like that. But mm-hmm. uh, anyway, I just became very aware of her. And um, I, I had gone to uh, down a few, few months later, I went down to Oregon to talk to somebody I knew who was kind of an expert on, on Nez Perce history. And I, and I said to him, I just, you know, I have this awareness of this woman. Um, she was wounded at Big Hole. Um, I, you know, I, I, my feeling is that she actually never made it all the way to Bear Paw, that she, had, you know, went someplace else to get her wounds taken care of. And mm-hmm. he said, oh, that's Andrew Garcia's wife in Hulis. <laughs> and wow. I'm like, what? <laughs> so, the, you know, the thing is, is there's almost nothing known about any um, Indian women, right? Nothing, nothing rec- in recorded history about most Indian women. But this mm-hmm. woman... Uh, in particular, because her she married this white fur trapper, and he subsequently uh, wrote about a thousand mem- pages of memoir about her life, and they ended up in the 1960s. Uh, some extended family members had some of that edited and published as a book called uh, "Tough Trip Through Paradise." Um, that's how we happen to know about this one. Nez Perce woman named Inhulis. So basically, what it seemed like had happened is that. She had attached herself to me, 
mm-hmm. there was a story that she wanted me to write. That, I mean, that was the feeling that I had. However, whether that was, is just my imagination at work or, you know, whether it's something true, who knows. But um, I, I just got to tell you that that story just like tore through me in ways that I've never experienced before. Mm-hmm. And the bulk of it ha- happened to be a, um, a written at, at this retreat that I was running. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't say the bulk of it, but... Um, the the last pages of it, like the last 30 or 40 pages I happened to write while I was at this week-long retreat that mm-hmm. I was coordinating for um, this inn up in the mountains in Idaho, um, in the again in the middle of nowhere. Um, anyway, the night that was that we were finished, I was finished with that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Gathered with the other women, and these other women were just really very aware of this presence. Also, they were like you know there were like six of them, and they were everybody was kind of talking about it, and um, and then all of a sudden the lights in the room flashed (laughs) Mm -hmm. and we were all like, Oh, okay. So either that's in who (laughs) lease or the lights just flashed. And then all of a sudden they went like, got really, really bright and stayed that way for a few seconds and then went completely off again and then came back on and everybody's the same thing. Oh my God, that's her. That's her. (laughs) (laughs) That's and then after that night, she was gone. That that sense of her, it, you know, it's been completely gone. So I've got like goosebumps just like all over me right now mm-hmm. talking about this. I mean, it was just the most stunning, powerful thing that I have ever experienced mm-hmm. in my life. It was crazy. And if I hadn't had that witness of those other women, you know, I don't, I don't know what I would have thought about the situation. But everybody was just kind of in agreement. You know, we don't know what this is, but something, something. Yeah. And it seems like that that it was her so a story 150 years old that needed to be told and the thing is i i you know i read her husband's memoir and she died under really mysterious circumstances mm-hmm. and my my contention was that that you know he that he he probably killed her yeah um yeah. and and uh but but the, the the way i tell the story in the book that's kind of left open for the reader to decide um just basically, I, I, <laughs> okay, now you're really going to think I'm crazy, but I mean, I got worried about the whole situation. I have a friend who's made her, her living as a psychic for decades and decades. I got worried enough about the situation, I asked her about it and just said, you know, what what can I tell without sort of karmically um, messing myself up? And so the decision was made to change names and to leave it up to the reader as to mm-hmm. whether or not he actually killed her. But, you know, definitely the book opens the question. Mm-hmm. So, is now you wrote this post? I read this about a year ago from you. Have you finished the book? The book's finished. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 off to a publisher to to it's being looked at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Uh, it's a very innovative format. Um, the first two hundred pages of the book um, are very sparse language um, in white it, graphics on black background, and that's mm-hmm. because it's the ghost speaking. Mm. And uh, I felt like I, I just didn't know how to do that. <laughs> and so I just kind of let my instincts just be the guide. And whether that was me or whether that was actually, you know, this 150-year-old dead woman, um, I don't know. But it um, so it, it really completely disconnects the reader from the narrative. Mm. Um, 
and and uh, I felt that you needed to be you, there needed to be that distance since she was supposedly speaking from beyond the grave. So hmm. in, in my story, her bones are unearthed, finally found. They've never been found. Mm-hmm. Her remains have never been found, despite despite the fact that he left rather detailed um, information about where he supposedly buried her. Mm-hmm. So, so, so that's it. I mean, I I know you know it all sounds crazy, but I mean this is this is what I experienced around this story. It was weird. It was a really weird physical feeling, like in my spine, <laughs> you know, like it was like coming through the, the back of me. And most of my writing kind of feels like it comes through the middle of me. Hmm. Um, so I, and then when that feeling was gone. I, I, it, that I just, you know, it just stopped, the book just stopped. So, mm. Mm. um, and well, then the, the, the last 200 pages are, you know, are, are about two other people who in the future who end up being, uh, sort of like, uh, she reaches out, she's reaching out to them. Um, so, yeah. but when, yeah, definitely when her section was done and that feeling was that she was gone. And I guess I thought that whole, weird light thing was maybe her way of putting her seal of approval on it. Hmm. So you mentioned that you were on a writing retreat and that you had put it on and I'm, I'm curious about that. Well, I have, uh, um, I have for a couple of decades now, uh, frequently taken myself out of my usual situation and just like, you know, gone to a hotel or gone to an inn or, or whatever to do my, to do writing, especially when I'm trying to finish a project. Mm-hmm. And, um, I had this place I went to regularly in the mountains of North Idaho, um, on the Clearwater river, um, kind of, gosh, I, I it's about a hundred miles from a town of any size. And uh, it's a place where pe- uh, the Clearwater River is a place where p- people do a lot of whitewater rafting. It's a, it's on the way to Montana. Mm-hmm. It's almost to the Continental Divide. And there's this place called Reflections Inn. They've been in business for over 20 years, and that's been the spot that I've gone to. They have like eight suites, and you know I can go there during the off season and be there by myself. And nice. last January. Um, the the owners I, I you know I never had really talked to them that much I mean they just knew me as a, a writer who came and and you know used their place and uh, we chatted a little bit but not tons mm-hmm. and um, the first morning I was there I was standing at my room looking across the the lawn to the 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 lodge where the dining area is and their living quarters and the roof was on fire mm. <laughs> the house was on fire. <laughs> So I went tearing across, woke him up, got him out of bed, and what they had done is gone and started a fire in the in the wood stove and got you know crawled back into bed and the flu had caught on fire. Wow. San, San Diego, you know, you don't have to worry about these things, right, but right. in the mountains of Idaho, you know, when you burn wood in your wood stove, the the you know the sap and all that uh, collects on the inside, and if you don't clean it often enough, right. it'll catch fire. Right. So anyway, so after that was over, she's like. That's it. I don't. I don't care about what you're doing with your writing. We're gonna sit down tonight. We're gonna have a bottle of wine, and I'm gonna find out why. You know. You know. She was just one of those kind of people, just mm-hmm. like into the mystery, also. And mm. she thought that it was very significant that that you know I happened to be there. If I hadn't been there to see that, the whole dang house would have burned down before, practically around them. You know, big log log home structure. 
lodge kind of thing. So anyway, uh, we did that evening. Uh, we we sat down and chatted and got to know each other better after you know ten years of me going there. Um, wow. And uh, and she told me that she had this dream of of turning that place into a writer's colony. And she said, you know, we have our busy months from May to October, but she said the rest of the year, this place sits virtually empty. And she said, I just would like to find a good use for it. And I've been looking for somebody to organize writing retreats. Mm. And so I said, well, <laughs> <laughs> my name's Paula. I that. <laughs> yeah. I could that. So we just immediately set a date and, and organized the first one and, uh, you know, had a half dozen women. We, we stated it specifically for women for the first one and mm -hmm. we had a half dozen women who came out and, uh, oh my gosh, it was, it was incredible. I mean, the, mm. you know, the place itself just lends it to itself to inspiration. It's beautiful. You've got this, this wild and scenic river. You've got the mountains. You can even hear the wolves, you know. Mm. They, you know, I don't know if you know this, but there's uh, wolves have been reestablished in Idaho, so we, we have those to deal with now. But, I mean, it's just, you know, wild turkeys. And, mm -hmm. uh, not the kind in the bottle. I mean, it, it's just this incredibly magical place. And these women just were so productive and loved it uh so much that that we immediately rescheduled another one for March and and it was fabulously successful so now we've got eight more of them scheduled or no I'm sorry six more scheduled for the end of the year awesome I, yeah but but uh that so that's yeah that that's it so it's a situation where you know you just kind of come to this place and you bring your groceries, there's two big kitchens, you, know, you cook for yourself, and otherwise all you have to do is write, and in the evenings we sit around and talk about writing. And oh, I love that. Um, it's awesome. <laughs> it's, it is, it's wonderful. How, how can wonderful. people, uh, including me, um, find out about these and get involved? Um, on my website um, is, is a list of the upcoming retreats. And um, um, I have applications up, I think, for two or three of them. There's a couple that I don't have applications up uh, for yet just because I've, I'm bringing, like, bringing people in to, uh, to teach workshops and, and I just didn't have, don't have all the inf information I need to be able to do that yet. But mm -hmm. um, we have one upcoming in August, the first week in August, that actually includes, um, this one's a little bit different because it includes a rafting trip. Mm -hmm. uh, a float, float trip on the clear water, and then also a hike with um, a botanical expert. Um, I have, I have, I have a real um, conviction around in, including the natural world in your writing and and drawing attention and and you know expressing elements of, of the natural world. And so, uh, so the goal of this little hike through uh, uh, to do some plant identification is just to help people like focus their attention like way 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 down in a, a different place <laughs> mm -hmm. and then and then um also just it you know in, encouraging folks to include either the presence of or the lack thereof of people's relationship to the natural world because i think we're in like this really crucial juncture in, in terms of humanity obviously this is no secret to anybody if we don't reconnect ourselves with the natural world we're just flat not going to have it mm. and um and so in by by helping people giving people the chance to do this i'm just hoping to like really change their perspective a little bit and um um 
help them to think about people's connection with with nature so that they can express that in their writing and you know mm -hmm. draw attention to the fact that it, it's it's actually there <laughs> mm -hmm. and for us and 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 we have a lot to gain ourselves by um, by connecting with it. I, I just read something recently about walking barefoot on grass and dirt and sand mm. and what that does to the human body, to our endocrine system, and how it's actually all connected to keeping like all of our metabolic pathways mm -hmm. and, uh, um, and that going. And then also um, digging in the dirt releases um, a certain fungus that has antidepressant qualities. Mm. <laughs> nice. So... Sort of seems to me that a whole bunch of our issues are that, you know, we're not walking barefoot and we're not digging in the dirt. So I'm hoping to kind of give, yeah, give people a little exposure to that. And That's awesome. See that it can have an impact on them. I not just, to mention, you know, floating on a, you know, beautiful scenic river. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's in, that's in North Central Idaho. I just pulled up the picture of Reflections in and it looks just so yeah. cute. That's beautiful. Yeah. It, yeah. It's really lovely. Well, tell me a little about your um, daily habits and routines and what, what is your, and it maybe it differs, I guess, if you're at a retreat or if you're back home, but what are some of the routines and the ways that you, you love to set yourself up for writing? Well, um, it starts with coffee. <laughs> I totally agree. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm trying to change my habits a little bit right now. I usually... Um, I, you know, I'll get up, I'll make coffee and by 7.30 I'm at the computer. Um, it, you know, if, if it's, if it's a writing day, um, if it, if it's a work day, then my purpose at the computer is a little different, but, um, but yeah, I usually just start right away. I go right to it. Um, but I, I, I have recently started um, making myself get up and go for a walk first. Mm -hmm. Before I have the coffee and before I start the work, just because I'm as I get older, I become very, very aware of the effect of so much sitting, mm -hmm. um, and it and uh, and I'm trying to do more working while standing and, and that kind of thing. But um, I'm I'm sort of a, a maniac when 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 I'm working on something um, in the composing stage. Um, I for, well, first of all, I should say that I do tons and tons of research. Mm -hmm. before I even start writing. So usually I'm researching the next project in the background while I'm working on the current project. Mm -hmm. And also, you know, I'm in the promotion phase for another book. So I, I have out my, my seventh book coming out this fall. So I've basically been in book promotion since 2006, since my first book came out. So so there's all there's those three things going at one time in addition to, you know, trying to have a little job that makes money and stuff like that. But... Mm -hmm. um, I um, I have a beautiful office and studio writing studio upstairs um, that you know I kind of design myself and all that. Uh, but for some reason, I like writing in my breakfast nook. <laughs> mm. My husband and I kind of you know the thing that made me uh, made us get together is that we you know we were friends and things started developing and then. One day I said to him, would you mind if I, I just, you know, I love this breakfast nook. Would you mind if I brought my computer and maybe did some writing here? Oh, nice. <laughs> and his, you know, his, his way of saying it is that, uh, that I never left after that. And it's kind of true. Mm -hmm. uh, 
I, there was something about this little corner. I, you know, I can look out the window and I can see the pond and the waterfall. And I've got, I've got window, you know, I'm windows on two sides. You probably saw uh, there was a lot of light coming in here. Mm -hmm. um, and our, our backyard is kind of looks like a small woods, you know, so I can see lots of, of plant life. And um, yeah, so I just end up setting up here. And um, if I'm if I'm really um, in into a project and it's a day that I'm free to do it, then then I'll write all day long from 7:30 till about five. And nice. um, I've had days where I forget to even take a break or you know <laughs> mm -hmm. forget to drink water. I mean, you know, my husband's always after me about my bad habits, but mm -hmm. it just it's kind it is kind of like that. Yeah. Uh, in, but in the composition phase, I, I definitely like to take myself out of my usual environment and go up to the inn um, where I can be completely closed off. And on those days, uh, or the, usually it's three or four days at a time, um, man, we're talking shades drawn, we're talking refrigerator stocked, we're, you know, we're talking tea, I mean, everything I need. Yeah. And I, I won't go out of there you know, for 10, 12 hours at a time. Mm. It's I, I'm happy you said that because there's something you know, I'm, I'm actually looking at this picture now of the reflections in which I'm assuming is the end you're talking about um, yeah. and it's it, there's almost like a feeling of guilt when I picture myself in a place like that with the shades drawn inside and, and I'm glad you sent that because it's like hey you know sometimes you just want to write and yeah there is this beautiful place and I'm sure obviously you go for walks too as well as that but it's like you know it's it's um I almost feel bad sometimes. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I know. I, I know exactly <laughs> what you mean. <laughs> I just have, you know, I just make sure that I get out. They also have a, you know, really nice hot tub and oh, um, nice. so, so at, at dusk or whatever, I'll, you know, I'll go down. And, and I do get out and go for hikes and uh, and things like that. But, but there, I mean, there definitely are days up there where, where I, I'll barely come out. And that's, that's part of how I could go up, why I was up there for going there for 10 years and didn't get to know the innkeepers because I, you know, I went there for the express purpose of isolating myself mm -hmm. and, uh, uh, would just, you know, do, I, I take my yoga mat, um, and, you know, just do it, it as little as I have to do in terms of movement. And mm -hmm. it just, it's really productive time. It's really, really productive time. Yeah. And so you still go up there on your own and then as well as the writing retreats. Is that right? Yeah. Except now I get to go for free. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have to pay to go. I don't have to pay to go up there anymore, which is an incredible perk um, because, yeah. you know, it was like even in the off season it was like uh, it's like $75, $80 a night. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, now she lets me come for free. So That's great. Yeah. I need to start yeah, a relationship like that with some places yeah. around here. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> Highly recommended. <laughs> a absolutely. And it's, it is really, really uh, fulfilling to help these other writers. Um, and w one person has gotten a book published. Uh, the other, another gal has a manuscript almost completed that she had nice. put off for 20 years. And um, the other thing I do is what I call something I call crate to grate which is where a person can basically show up with their crate full of their manuscript and mm -hmm. we spend four days together and I help them get it on the road to being a manuscript. Oh, nice. And I've done that with one person already and I have another person scheduled for September. Uh, oh, which that's is really a, great. That, that's a very cool thing too. Yeah. So just well, basically mentoring people through, you know, through the, like, pulling together of their book. Yeah. So. Well, what, you know, what you said about helping people 
make art. I mean, that that's that's mm-hmm. that's that's, that's really close to home for me. I mean, that's the coolest thing that that I guess I kind of saw coming with this podcast, but is but is just just the best feeling in the world is when I get an email from someone that says, "Hey, I just mm-hmm. listened to like you know three or four episodes in a row, and I've I've been putting off writing for a while, and now I'm." back on the track and you know here's a short yeah. story i wrote it's really cool and and I, and i've just yeah now i've collected all these emails and these people that um i don't know there's something about hearing about people's process that that humanizes it they get that like mm-hmm. oh wow like so so you mean everybody you know goes through the process of you know maybe not <laughs> wanting to and then going at it and, and it's like it, it, writing is so humbling so it's like of course they do and uh, there's something about that 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 has them go. Oh, I guess I I guess waiting for the right time is not that that's just a myth or something, you know. So um, yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. Exactly, and I I think honestly part of it, and again, I you know I part of this is cultural. I mean, we we don't have the appreciation for art and creativity. Um, that other cultures have. I, mm-hmm. I mean, what is it? We spend like ten cents per capita on art, and Germany cent spends forty cents or something like that. I mean, mm. it, the the U.S. is way behind the eight ball, and, or way just I, I guess way behind the eight ball is a great way, the best way to say that. But I we totally forget that the that humans are creative beings. We, we know that we have two halves of, you know, we have the two different hemispheres in our brain, and one is specifically for creativity. And, and if that isn't developed in a human, then their problem solving is impaired and, uh, and all kinds of other things. And I think we're really short, shortchanging our, our populace here in the United States by, by not letting people know that it is okay <laughs> to yeah. develop creative selves and to take whatever that means for them and Mm -hmm. to take time out for it to set time aside Mm -hmm. for your creative self and it's it's part of why people put things off my my husband and i were talking about this the other day you know because we were at the age where we know you know so many people are retiring Mm -hmm. and um and it's just kind of stunning to see that people turn to creating art (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know people paint i my uh, glad to hear that yeah yeah, yeah. It's sort of like, you know, you hold it you hold it back for 40 years until you can get a pension so, mm-hmm. <laughs> so that you can have the time to do it. And my perspective is, you know, why not why not find sm- small ways to make that happen and and to bring balance to your life while you're going through those decades of creating that pension. Mm-hmm. Um, I just it and it's a thing that, you know, I taught I I I'm just just stepping down myself from almost 20 years of teaching uh, university English and um, it's a thing that I you know just told people my students all the time find a way I mean you know learn to play the guitar learn to play the piano uh, draw write mm-hmm. sculpt uh, chainsaw art <laughs> yeah. you know what, whatever it is that you have to do to let that part of yourself out because I believe that it's the source of a whole bunch of our illness uh, that we're like holding, I, I think the illness is spiritual, and, and, I, and I think we just, you know, we're so programmed to hold ourselves back in that way. That's one of the spectacular things about the internet is that really, I mean, people are free to be creative in in that that venue uh, in in whatever way they see fit. You know, as long as you can make it happen with by pressing buttons, mm-hmm. you can create something. Yeah. 
I love that. Not that I, I think that that's the, you know, really the way we should be doing it. I mean, I, I really think uh, cr- physically creating something using your body is 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 superior. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's why I love, you know, I think music, you know, being a musician, being a being a visual artist is even even if you're a writer, I you know, I think you should have um, you should have another mode mm-hmm. of creative expression. I you know, I do I I paint and draw and doodle and yeah it's really important to me and there's something really beautiful too about about that moment where you notice it's all coming from the same place mm-hmm. and i think that having different mediums is is great for mm-hmm. that um i have a, a voice teacher that i went to up in la for a while named Stephen memel and he 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 taught in all sorts of different creative mediums but he would he would say he said there's only one art you know, mm. and and when I think getting that is so powerful, um, mm-hmm. because then it allows us to to express that what we love about whatever medium we love in our life. It, mm-hmm. it allows us to bring all that into our just making breakfast, and you know, and how yeah. we how we set the table, and then how we eat, and then how we get in our yeah. car, and how we drive, and it's really just beautiful, you know. Yeah. Well, you know, that's how I ended up writing. I mean, I still can't believe I did this. I wrote a food memoir and then followed it up with a cookbook because guess what I figured out? You can make art in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you can you can make art with food ingredients and I you know, I can't believe it took me all these years to figure that out. And then once I did, I mean, we eat like royalty around here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we we made a switch to, you know, to eating a plant-based diet a few years ago and uh, just all of a sudden, they, you know, we we were creating art in our kitchen. All of a sudden, I mean, mm-hmm. it's, there's all kind all kinds of way to tap that, and and to let it be present in your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my, the the final question is, um, if you could go back and write yourself a note and slip it back through the fabric of time to you maybe when you're just starting out as a writer or I mean clearly you've been doing this for a long time um starting but maybe that maybe that um that kind of second writing phase that you went through um and if you could just write yourself a note what would you say uh don't waste time trying to get published in New York I, I spent an awful lot of years thinking that that was like the 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 pinnacle that 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 was the indication of success if you could get published by a New York publisher. Um, but I've gotten a lot, a lot of gratification of, from dealing with small presses, from being part of the independent movement, and from, I, I, I don't know, just being a little bit closer closer to the ground and to, to the, the people. And that, that, I know that all sounds really weird because we all want to get rich and famous from our, our writing, but I spent years, years, years trying to break through with agents and with editors and with, you know, all that whole scene. And when all these, you know, these small presses love my work and and have been so supportive. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, I discovered Book Trope, this, you know, the Seattle press that's just kind of breaking the whole publishing world open. Nice. But, But, yeah, that would be it. Like, you know, just aim for the people Hmm. don't aim for the success aim for the people you can reach and help and affect Hmm. that's That's a long note (laughs) 
<laughs> well, I love that. I mean, especially I, the last part, this aim for the people. What a, what a cool mantra, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of the, the, the you know, the Woody Guthrie approach, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> eschew, eschew the big dogs and, yeah, go for the people. This has been episode 35 of Darken the Page with Paula Marie Coomer. For show notes and links to her books and how to get a hold of her, I'm going to link to the writing retreats she does as well. Visit darkenthepage.com slash 035. Special thanks to 99designs for making the show possible. Again, if you want to see the logo design contest I ran and the artwork that did not get picked for Darken the Page, head over to darkenthepage.com slash 99designs. That's the number 99designs. And check that out. And if you do a design contest and use the link that's at our website, um, that's an affiliate link. So you'll be supporting the show as well. If you really enjoyed this episode, um, I have another episode that I think you might enjoy. And that is episode 13 with Lori Richards. The reason I think you'd like that is that Lori and Paula both have a very spiritual lean to how they relate to creativity and talking about writing moving through you. And they're both really inspiring in in a very similar way for me. So go to darkonthepage.com slash 013 or check it out on iTunes. I think you really enjoy that episode. Don't forget to leave us a rating and review on iTunes if you enjoy the show. It really helps our rankings. So until next week, go make great art.